Hey, welcome to Return to Reason. My name is David. I'm honored to have the opportunity to welcome Mike Schutten today. Mike Schutten is the Director of Advocacy for an organization called ARPA Canada. Both professionally and personally, he has a unique perspective in how MADE is being talked about here in Canada and what really needs to change in order to truly give people death with compassion and dignity. This conversation might surprise you. Stay tuned. Today, a special episode of Return to Reason, where knowledge and wisdom intersect. Well, Mike, thank you so much for joining us today. You've got quite a personal story when it comes to, to this involvement, but maybe let us know a little bit about how you've been become passionate about talking about MADE and what it means in that process. Tell us a bit about that. Sure, yeah. Thank you for having me on. It's, it's always good to be able to talk about these things in this type of setting, so I'm yeah. excited to spend some good. time with you. Um, the organization I work for, uh, ARPA Canada, A-R-P-A, stands for Association for Reform Political Action. We've been active on the, the euthanasia file for a long, long time, yeah. even before it became legal in Canada. Um, that activity's obviously been heightened since 2015 when the court struck down Canada's euthanasia laws, laws that prohibited assisted suicide. Yeah. And then obviously there was a bill that followed in, in Parliament in 2016, another bill in 2021, and here we are today on the edge of, of making euthanasia legal to people with mental illness as the sole underlying condition. So we've come a, a long way really, really fast in our country. We're one of the most permissive regimes in the entire world. Yeah. And that's resulting in um, over in 2021, over 10,000 people requesting and receiving medical assistance and dying. So wow. there's huge concerns, uh, obviously, from an organization like ARPA Canada, which values life and believes that that God is the author of life, and He's the one who will call us home when when it's when it's our time. Yeah. Uh, this is deeply concerning. But more and more, we're also seeing that concern grow amongst other areas of society, where everyday Canadians are just waking up to the reality that, uh, wow, I know somebody with mental illness, and if this was made available to them, that wouldn't be a good thing. Right? We, we've come a long way in our yeah. country in helping people deal with mental health issues yep. and encouraging them to reach out. And now at the same time, we're going to make it legal for them to, to um, give in to their despair and have a state complicit in giving into their despair and, and killing them, ending their life. A couple of questions for you is, you mentioned 2015 when it did become legal in Canada. Now we have progressed uh, pretty quickly, as you were saying, in those seven, eight years since we've done that. Why the progression? Why is there such a fast lane that we're running down um, in Canada? I think the the simple answer to that is because once you cross that line whereby it's legal for some people to end the lives of other people, it's very, very hard to to draw regulations around that that's going to stop you from sliding down this this slippery slope which we've slid down. Okay. Um, if, if it's if it's legal for someone who's at the end of their life because of, of a, a terminal illness and uh, it's very clear that within days their life is going to end, then why can't it be legal for people whose life might end within 10 years or 20 years or now, right? We're, we're dealing with situations where people are reaching out to uh, homeless shelters and to what we think of the veterans in Canada who deal with PTSD, reaching out for help, the helplines that are available to them and then having this suggested. So it's really fascinating how when you make euthanasia uh, legal for some uh, and want to make it uh, their right to request and receive it, you actually, and we've seen that now manifest, you ensure that everyone is um, asked to consider it. 
and that's reaping uh, very negative negative implications in our in our country. So to clarify, is there any situation in which you think um, euthanasia or MAID is appropriate? And, and to play devil's advocate, some people might say, well, there are some people who have absolutely zero quality of life and they're around the corner from, from death's doorstep. So someone might say, they, they, and they might use euthani- um, euphemisms like it's compassionate or things like that. Is there any instance where you guys are okay with it, or are you just generally across the board, hey, this is something that should not be allowed or permissible in our country? As a, as a Christian organization, we do take directive and our principles from in God's word, and, and God's word is clear that um, it shouldn't be legal for some one person to take the life of another person, uh, yeah. no matter what suffering they're enduring, no matter how far into despair they've been led. And I do want to share with you a personal story, if yeah, I may, because absolutely. you're working on this this topic, the policy of euthanasia, and the, the, the you know the legal regulations around it is one thing. Doing it in the abstract kind of at that policy level, uh, but in 2021, um, our 17 year old son at the time was diagnosed with Ewing sarcoma. Um, so that's a, a very a rare form of bone cancer, and often a deadly form of bone cancer. Yeah, and. Uh, we we pursued treatment for for Marcus, our son, for 12 months. He endured uh, 20 rounds of chemotherapy and numerous operations and radiation treatments and so on. And uh, we came to the point in in March of 2022 where it was it was no longer an option to try to treat him for cure. It just wasn't working, and uh, we had to accept that uh, his treatment now needed to transfer to treatment of symptoms and treatment for the sufferings that he endured. And and so we have this lived experience now, whereby uh, our son Marcus endured cancer, uh, incredible suffering. He essentially drowned to death as his lungs filled with tumors. Uh, but we were also the, the benefactors of an incredible hospice and palliative care system in our country that, especially when dealing with children, is so dedicated on ensuring that no matter how long a child's life is, they're going to do their best to ensure that every day is lived well. Yeah. And that was the message we heard right from the start when Marcus's oncologist uh, gave us the, the bad news that there was nothing more they could do. Marcus asked him, he said, well, how much longer do I have, Doc? And, and he said, we don't know, but what we do know is that every day you do have, we're going to make sure it's a good one for you. Wow. And even though his quality of life deteriorated over the next two months, he passed away the, uh, in May of 2022, uh, his life deteriorated drastically, uh, very, very quickly. Um, every day there was something to be thankful for. Every day there was something to be joyful about. And that's because the people around Marcus, his medical team, his us as parents, his family, all were focused on quality of living and focused on ensuring that the symptoms were dealt with in such a way that we could uh, be thankful for every day that God gave to us. Yeah. So so we, we experienced that. We don't know why God wanted us to experience that, but but during that time, uh, Marcus was very aware that the work that I did with ARPA Canada connected to what we were going through. Uh, he even said to me at one point, he said, Dad, I can see how, how there's a connection. And if we can use, he said, if you can use our experience of, of suffering and my illness to make a difference in our country, then, then do it. Yeah. So I feel confident as a dad in talking about this because he would want that. Even though yeah. he wasn't a public figure, he... He understood that there's power and story and 
and sharing the testimony of his what what we often refer to as a good death. Yeah, yeah. Well, it sounds like an amazing young man to have those as as some of your final thoughts to be helping others. And that's a picture of him, I believe, you have over your shoulder there of Marcus. Mm-hmm. We're, yeah. we're sorry for your loss. And so you have a, obviously a very personal experience with this and of you guys walking through. Was was the option uh, of made ever presented to you guys as you're walking this out with Marcus? Mm-hmm. No, I can I can say thankfully that it that it never was. And yeah. and we were so thankful because we know that if Marcus's doctors or us would have entertained that or talked about that, yeah. that he would have heard, oh, they're giving up on me. Yeah. And that would have had a, an incredibly negative impact on his disposition towards life and towards his suffering and towards yeah. just trying to make every day a good day. It's an interesting point that you, you made there is that if you guys were presented that option, uh, that it seems it would have brought um, this whole other set of circumstances and factors, not only for, for the mind of someone who's going through a trial like that, but also the family and, and the people around that um, a lot might categorize as completely unnecessary. There's this extra stress that's involved. Okay, can you maybe speak on a little bit if that becomes common in Canada, presenting and walking down that path, what kind of weight would that add to the situation walking through it? Hmm. Well, it's so it's it's a challenge for us to try to understand how that would have played out if it would have been presented to sure. us in that situation. Uh, but we know that just knowing Marcus and ourselves and people who are enduring suffering, if the yeah. people around them, especially their medical um, teams, are are not focused on your life is going to get terrible, there's going to be incredible pain. Uh, so it's about perspective, right? If yeah. that if that's the perspective that's um, placed on a, a patient, on someone who's enduring the suffering, that's going to increase the despair. And I mean, granted, there of course there's despair. Somebody, especially an 18-year-old kid, gets told that you're, you're not going to live very long anymore. That can lead to despair. So then it's up to us as human beings surrounding that fellow human being to try to address that despair, not by feeding the despair. But I do want to reference, I did earlier, the, the veterans in our country, because that was brought to light last fall when numerous veterans were reaching out to the, the hotline for Veterans Affairs Canada, looking for help, not looking for medical assistance and dying. And when, when the person on the other end of the line um, brought that subject into the conversation, they were led to despair, which in turn led them to, to reach out to media and, and to, to try to tell their story and say, hey, what's going on in our country? I wasn't looking for this, and all of a sudden, it's on the table as an option. Yeah, uh, that means that the person I've been talking to and looking to for help is now trying to affirm to me that my life's not worth living anymore, and I might want to yeah. consider ending it. So the connection between suicidality and, and uh, you know euthanasia and assisted suicide in our country is is there. It's it's connected, and we're seeing people being led to despair. In fact, just last fall as well in, in Ontario, a province a few few provinces over from where you are. Uh, there was a man in Hamilton who he, he simply couldn't afford rent and basic medications for uh, like it was a knee pain. Hmm. And he had put in a request for medical assistance in dying and, and got it. Wow. And the story became public and, and people in that area rallied around him and, and financially helped him to, to be able to uh, make ends meet. And, and he pulled back. He withdrew that request for medical assistance in dying. Wow. So, yeah, I think that. There's a lot of things to be concerned about. So, so back to your earlier question sure. right, about um, 
you know, would we support as an organization or even personally uh, someone's request for euthanasia in any instance? Uh, we, we wouldn't. But we truly believe that if we come to each other's aid rather than affirming uh, their despair, that the request for euthanasia would be far less than it is today. Yeah, it's interesting. Hey, so you also mentioned on what you're speaking about. It sounds like the goalposts seem to be widening regarding acceptance of people who want want to use this, um, and also with with the addition of of mental illness being now potentially acceptable regarding that. Why is legislation from our government changing to have such a wide goalposts for allowing people through? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting question. It's a it's a it's hard to answer in, in full because from the work that we do and the people we talk to, often it seems, it appears as though the, the people who are advocating most for expanding euthanasia yeah. to more and more are, are people who are able-bodied and well. Uh, okay. They don't have a terminal illness. They don't have mental illness. And their, their push to expand it, I think, is because of what they think might come in the last days of their life or if they ever get Alzheimer's, they don't want to live. They just want somebody to end their life. So my wife and I had had an opportunity, uh, an invitation to speak to a parliamentary committee that's reviewing that's right. Canada's that's euthanasia right. laws. And uh, yeah, so we shared our story of Marcus's suffering and death and, and made some recommendations to them uh, in regards to expanding it to mature minors, to children. Yeah. Uh, and, and recommended they don't do that. But in the course of that, um, that meeting, there were a lot of exchanges between ourselves and members of parliament and senators. And, and we could really feel there that they were uh, seeking to advance uh, this because of what they feared might come for themselves. Okay. And, uh, and I think that that's unfortunate. That's unfortunate that, that people have that disposition that again speaks to that perspective that I talked about earlier, where if, um, if, if you or I or anybody thinks about suffering, of course, we would dread that, if you will. We wouldn't wish that on anybody. We wouldn't want to endure that ourselves. But we live in a country where if that does occur, and we know that everyone's going to endure suffering in one form or another, that the tools can be there to assist each other and help each other through that. And it's not a foreign concept when it comes to things like terminal illness or uh, mental illness. Uh, We do this in other spheres all the time, right? I mean, a big big part of the conversation in the public sphere today is is homelessness and what do we do with people that, that have addictions uh, yeah. we don't l- let them um, just be in their despair we do everything we can to assist them to help them to find ways in which we can ensure that they can be productive members of society again and flourish as, as human beings yeah um, we need to do that with people who have a terminal illness like Marcus uh, we need yeah. to do that with people who have mental illness and and do have suicidal thoughts. We need to surround them with the tools they need and the compassion that that is required to to bring them out of that and and help them see their life as worth living. So what are some of the main initiatives that you are working and ARPA is doing to help educate people um, when it comes to assisted suicide and euthanasia? Um, What are you guys working on right now? So we uh, it's called the Care Not Kill campaign. So if, if your uh, viewers just go to carenotkill.ca, that's yeah. the URL. Um, and what we're doing through that is a couple of things. Primarily is just educating Canadians as okay. to what's going on because it's it's quite surprising how many Canadians still are not aware that 
euthanasia is legal, that it's legal for, for so many people for a multitude of reasons. And when they become aware of that and understand the, the consequences, the implications of it, and how many people are requesting and receiving it, they're concerned as well. So a big part of that website and that campaign is, is just educating Canadians. But then there is also a part that is about action. Um, ARPA Canada in the acronym is the word action. We're, we're very much an organization that doesn't want to just sit on the sidelines sure. and complain about things. We want to find yeah. solutions. So encouraging people to get in touch with their members of parliament and explain their concern, either through phone calls, uh, emails, visits to your member of parliament. Uh, we also have on the website flyers that people can distribute into their neighborhoods, just simple flyers that are non-offensive, but again, educate uh, people as to what's happening. And we want to build on that because we're starting to see fruit. And one of the fruits was just prior to Christmas, the Liberal government, Justice Minister David Lametti, announced that they were going to delay the next expansion of euthanasia. So mm. it's set to kick in in March of this year, where, yeah. whereby people with mental illness can avail themselves of it. And he indicated that as a government, they, they've heard Canadians, there seems to be a lot of alarm uh, amongst our country, and they're going to put the brakes on a little bit. But that gives us some hope, and it's also an encouragement to people who have been expressing concern in a, in a loving way that, oh, the government is hearing us, and there yeah. now is an opportunity to look at this again and, and uh, try to draw the line somewhere so we don't just keep sliding down the slippery slope. You mentioned solutions, not just sitting on the sidelines. Are you guys trying to propose alternatives, or do you have other solutions that uh, could repeal or what would go in place if you replace what's currently now legal in Canada with assisted suicide? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, we certainly do on a number of fronts. So uh, ARPA Canada very, is very much in favor of working incrementally. So step by step, you, yeah. you work on what you can achieve and then you go on to the next thing. Uh, on our website, arpacanada.ca, there, there's uh, numerous um, initiatives that would slowly uh, change this, redirect it. So yeah. some of them have to do with euthanasia as it relates to people with disabilities. Sure. Some of them have to do with euthanasia as it relates to uh, the different safeguards that, that are in place and trying to put in more stringent safeguards. Yeah. But then also at the same time, uh, we have done some work and we have some policy papers on palliative care. Uh, we need a, a more robust palliative care system in our country. Uh, the, the experience that we had with Marcus in the, in the child track, if you will, yeah. uh, BC Children's Hospital, Canuck Place Children's Hospice, was incredible. And, and while that was happening, I know, and you probably know of others, uh, adults, uh, maybe in their 50s and 60s, who get a cancer diagnosis, and it seems to take forever to get an appointment. Yeah, yeah. It seems to take forever to find a solution for this, this symptom they've just now also developed, or this type of suffering. And, and we never had that with Marcus. They were always one step ahead. And that enabled us just to spend our time with him, to spend the, the final months and weeks and days with him, not worrying about where to get the latest medication, and which specialist we had to go visit. No, they were always ahead of us and yeah. were able to address those symptoms as they arose, which yeah. gave us time to just love our son and spend the final days with him. Wow. So I think that there's a lot we can learn from how we treat children in the hospice and, and palliative sure. care programs. And if those are engaged and improved amongst adults in our country, I would, that would go a long way to making people think that their lives are still worth living, even though they're they're far different than they used to be. Yeah, yeah, that, that that's an interesting thought about making a, creating a very robust palliative care system to help people 
with mm -hmm. uh, you, you mentioned with the government actually delaying, which is an interesting thing that they did in March. Do you believe the veteran stories and the rise of that actually helped contribute, or was it just a mass flood of people with organizations like yours that are encouraging people to step up contributed as well? What do you think was a major component of that? I think it's both end. It's yeah. it's very much a, a grassroots campaign. It's not just the Care Not Kill campaign that ARPA Canada launched, uh, yeah. but it's also like those stories, those stories coming out in the media. Uh, we saw media from, from across the spectrum all writing uh, opinion articles and publishing op-eds from people who were expressing concern about this. And then at the, so that's more at the professional policy level, but at the grassroots level, Canadians are starting to speak to their members of parliament about this. I think for the first time in a long time, we're seeing political parties that in the House of Commons that didn't deal with social issues, that didn't want to, are embracing them. And, okay. and, and there's good talking points being developed and there's looks like room for a actual uh, a stimulating conversation where together I think we can agree as a country to uh, put the brakes on, like I said earlier, to, to take a second look at this and, and do something different. Well, it is vital, I believe, as Canadian citizens to, to continue speaking up and, and letting your thoughts be known because the government is there to act on behalf of its people as, as we put them in office. So I think that's fantastic that we're seeing a rise in people actually speaking up about issues. Do you have thoughts on uh, physicians generally? I know there's physicians all across the country, but um, it's hard to be specific with so many, but can you generalize about where physicians stand on made is there is there an equal sp split whether 50 percent are for or against is it where are physicians generally in response to made in canada mm -hmm. i think it's it's not 50 50 there's there's certainly more physicians who are not in favor of it and uncomfortable with it okay. um, and it's for that reason that we've seen sometimes at a provincial level and at a college of physicians and surgeons level uh, where what's what's called conscience legislation has been enacted yeah. like uh, where people feel their consciences are being binded, and that's because um, there's not enough people actually to to uh, facilitate requests for me. So, yeah. so I don't think I think there's far more who are uncomfortable with it and, and wouldn't be involved with it. Um, and I, I think that that's being highlighted more so now with the mental health um, yeah. top part of the conversation. In fact, just recently in the Hamilton Spectator, there was a, a psychiatrist who wrote an opinion column he said look i've been treating somebody uh, i forget exactly what it was for but for a lengthy period of time working with this individual and i just found out that the individual went right around me and found a doctor who would um, sign off on the request for medical assistance and dying yeah, yeah and and he's like well what good am, what good am i now what good is the work that i've been doing with this with this client of mine yeah and, and i think that there's a lot of doctors who are feeling that They're like if this if MAID just becomes like a, like a regular tool in, in their suite of, of options for how to treat a patient, uh, we're going to see it increase even more than it has in the past. Like within five years, we've already seen a tenfold increase. And uh, I, I can see that continuing if we don't put wow. the brakes on and find a way to stop this slide. Is there incentive for the government to continue uh, um, with legislation towards making euthanasia more accessible. Is there an incentive for them uh, due to the stress that is on our medical system and has obviously been uh, apparent, especially through COVID? You can see that. Do they operate with that, do you believe? Uh, 
it's hard to know if the government operates with that. There certainly have been some advocacy groups on the other side who have cited uh, economic reasons as to why sure. we should make uh, made it more available. Yeah. Um, I think Canadi usually Canadians' reaction to that is is not very friendly though, because okay. that just that just sounds so callous right, sure. to, towards humanity in general. Yeah. Um, you know, we pride ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Like Canadians um, have a hard enough time describing what what their identity is as a Canadian, but many will cite our universal healthcare system. They say this sure. is this is a great product of Canada. Thanks, Tommy Douglas, etc. Yeah. Well, if, if that healthcare system is faltering so much now that people are just instead of receiving the help that we think they they should get, just requesting made, uh, that doesn't sit well with folks. And, yeah. Uh, they're they're more and more looking to their governments to to correct this rather than um, just make it more available. So, yeah, the economic reason, I think, I mean, we can all recognize that, that there are economic benefits, if you will, if someone doesn't need care for months or weeks or years, then that's going to be a saving. That's a cost yeah. saving. But if we start to look at life that way, that's uh, that puts us in a pretty scary place. Totally. It's um, If you're to sit down with someone who just maybe knew what, they heard from the news or whatever about made. They don't really have a lot of knowledge, just that um, what's being said about it and maybe a positive light. What would you say to them to show them what you, where you stand on it? Man, I'm asking because maybe we can educate people who have the same stance as you um, mm -hmm. about this that might not know how to speak to people about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's actually... Um that's a, a big part of our care not kill campaign is, is walking people through that. How do you, how do you mm -hmm. talk to this, to the average Canadian? How do you talk about this? And one of the, <clears throat> one of the phrases we use is we need to encourage people to think about suicide prevention, not yeah. suicide assistance. So we're, so in that we're, we're trying to get people not to separate the issues of suicide and euthanasia, make sure that you, they're connected and then talk about how we, we want to work to prevent suicide, not assist. And then we relate it to just things that everybody knows. For example, right? If, if someone is thinking about committing suicide, uh, we do everything we can to try to help them not see that as an option and, yeah. and put them in touch with professionals and others who can help them deal with those suicide desires. Um, we'll, we'll go so far as shutting down entire highway systems or bridges if someone's threatening to jump. Um, we should not then, on the other hand, open up um, regulations to allow them to just have the state uh, meet that desire and mm. end their life with them. So trying to relate to people in everyday language so they, yeah. they understand it. And especially, again, to, to the mental illness one, most people know someone that's struggling with anxiety or some form of mental illness. And, uh, yeah, to just talk about how we need to love those people. And, and people, that's what Canadians are doing right now. We've made huge strides. Uh, we're Next week in Canada, we're celebrating Bell Let's Talk Day. Yeah. Uh, a day that's set aside to encourage Canadians who, who are struggling to reach out, talk to somebody. Uh, and then on the other hand, we're, we're going to just make it so easy for them to, to do what yeah. sometimes they want to do in their life. So, but just encouraging people to talk to their neighbors about despair and suffering, yeah. and how it is a part of life. And um, we can um, reach out to each other in ways that encourage living, not dying. Yeah. Interesting point you bring up with uh, Bell Let's Talk Day, which is a, a massive day that's been growing over years about helping people with mental illness. And, and you could argue that that uh, euthanasia and MAID is uh, 
almost giving people an easy way out and advocating for ending your own suffering in a sense. Mm -hmm. Hey, if people want to help you guys, support you, follow what you're doing, let, can you let them know how they can best connect with you guys? Sure, yeah. So on, on both those sites, carenotkill.ca as well as our website, arpacanada.ca, so A-R-P-A, Canada.ca, you can sign up for our newsletter. So you'll okay. be then kept in touch with us as to, because the developments are changing so quickly on this topic and, and then therefore the action items that we ask of people are changing, that's yeah. the best way to stay in touch. And then, um, yeah, if, if you do have viewers who are from outside Canada, um, we're very encouraged that the international community is also recognizing uh, where Canada is going and expressing alarm. And internationally, uh, there's jurisdictions around the world who, whose leaders are also putting pressure on Canada to do something about this. So, so if you're from outside Canada, we thank you for your support. And if you want to support us, simply go to those websites and, uh, and you can find ways to do so there. Awesome. Well, it's been great chatting with you today, Mike. I appreciate you taking the time to let us know about what you guys are doing. Um, we wish you all the best and looking forward to doing this again. Thank you, David. You are an essential part of this series. Support truth, knowledge, and wisdom by sharing this show with a friend. Visit returntoreason.tv. There, you can subscribe to our newsletter by clicking Become an Insider. Get the latest articles, episodes, and exclusive content. It's Return to Reason.